Welcome to the Publishers Podcast, your place for psychiatry soundbites. Hi, I'm John Shelton, publisher of the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. In this episode, I'll bring you up to date on our latest online selections of important peer-reviewed research and reviews for Part 2 of our September-October 2020 issue. This month, we feature two new interactive brief reports from CMEinstitute.com, where you can participate and earn free CME credit. Let's get started. During the COVID-19 pandemic, are more or fewer patients presenting to emergency departments with suicidal crises? A recent small study from Spain compared trends in emergency department use before and after the arrival of COVID-19. Go online to read this brief report, as well as a variety of insights and perspectives on COVID-19, including first-person accounts from physicians in France, Italy, and India, as well as case reports and thought-provoking commentaries on how the pandemic is impacting psychiatry and mental health. These offerings are freely available online. To read them, visit us at psychiatrist.com and search on the keyword COVID-19. The period immediately following discharge from inpatient psychiatric care poses substantial risks of serious and even life-threatening adverse outcomes. To explore this period more fully, the authors of this CME article with support from the National Institute of Mental Health examined 15,520 discharged psychiatric inpatients to determine the relationship between making an appointment at an outpatient mental health clinic as part of a discharge plan and attending the appointment after being released from inpatient care. Patients included in the study were less than 65 years of age, admitted to inpatient services, and discharged to the community. The main outcome was attending an outpatient mental health service within 7 and 30 days after leaving inpatient care. The main predictor was scheduling a mental health outpatient appointment. The authors included in the analyses several factors that could affect the association between the predictor and the outcome, such as co-occurring substance use, homelessness, hospital size, and regional availability of providers. Despite this practice being an accepted standard of care, only 77% of discharged individuals had an appointment scheduled with a community provider as part of their discharge plan. Patients who had a scheduled outpatient appointment were more likely to attend an outpatient mental health service within 70 and 30 days. This finding held up even among those patients who were least likely to receive discharge planning and most likely to have failed care transitions. The authors therefore conclude that scheduling an outpatient mental health appointment as part of a discharge plan is an effective and low-resource discharge planning practice that should be a standard of care for inpatient psychiatric treatment. To read this article in its entirety, visit us at psychiatrist.com and earn CME credit. Driven primarily by demographic change, the prevalence of dementia is increasing. In the absence of urgently needed disease-modifying treatments, the research focus is switched to preventive strategies, targeting risk factors and early pre-dementia disease stages. 
Depression is a risk factor of dementia, and in preclinical studies, antidepressants have shown to exert beneficial effects on the pathophysiological changes and cognitive functions typically affected in dementia. In this case-controlled study, the authors aim to evaluate the effects of antidepressant drug classes and individual compounds with different treatment durations on the risk of developing dementia. By analyzing clinical routine data from the German Disease Analyzer database, the authors found a reduced incidence of dementia during long-term treatment with the vast majority of most commonly prescribed antidepressants when compared to short-term treatment. In particular, long-term treatment with tricyclic antidepressants, hypericum perforatum, and escitalopram was associated with a decreased dementia incidence below the rate of untreated healthy controls. As an important clinical implication that still requires further validation, clinicians might consider the continuation of antidepressant therapy even beyond remission of depression. Dementia-related psychosis can occur in all types of dementia, but the prevalence of psychotic symptoms is estimated to be greatest in those with dementia with Lewy bodies and Parkinson's disease dementia. In this interactive CME brief report, supported by Acadia, follow along as expert Dr. Dag Arsaland examines data on the epidemiology and pathophysiology of dementia-related psychosis. He also addresses compassionate communication about psychotic symptoms with patients with dementia, if possible, and their caregivers. Read this brief report to learn more about dementia-related psychosis and earn free CME credit. Narcolepsy is characterized by dysfunctional REM sleep, excessive daytime sleepiness, hypnagogic hallucinations, sleep paralysis, and frequent sleep attacks. People may also experience cataplexy, or sudden loss of muscle tone associated with strong emotions. Individuals with narcolepsy may experience not only academic, social, and occupational consequences, but also injuries due to dangerous driving or other accidents, meaning that immediate and effective treatment is crucial. In this engaging CME brief report supported by Harmony Biosciences, Dr. Thomas Roth reviews the evidence on treatment strategies. Learn from an expert about the approaches to treating excessive daytime sleepiness in narcolepsy and earn free CME credit. Measures and methods used in randomized controlled trials vary, so how can we combine their findings to synthesize the evidence? In a recent installment of his Clinical and Practical Psychopharmacology column, Dr. Andrade gives readers an overview of meta-analysis methodology and the way in which results are pooled to draw conclusions. In a companion piece, Dr. Andrade provides a thorough but easy-to-follow explanation of why meta-analysis may be necessary, how a systematic review is conducted to identify studies for meta-analysis, and how to interpret elements of a forest plot. The full text of these columns is freely available online at psychiatrist.com. In closing, be sure to visit us online at psychiatrist.com to view the newest online offerings from Part 2 of the September-October 2020 issue 
and at cmeinstitute.com to explore interactive activities and earn free CME credit. Thanks for listening. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me next month for the publisher's podcast, Your Plays for Psychiatry Soundbites.